Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in big families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with two young children and our third on the way, there's nothing that excites us more than seeing what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go! Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, everybody. Katie, how's it going? I'm doing good. You know, it's been a great Sunday. Well, that's when we're recording this. Yeah, it's Sunday evening right now, and Katie and I got the kiddos to bed, and Katie's got a nice fuzzy blanket that she's sitting under, and we're excited about this episode. Yeah, I am so excited today because it's talking about something that's so near and dear to both of Elisha's hearts, and so... I don't know. I just feel like this is something we talk to each other a lot about and we don't really communicate it to other people. So I'm excited to be sharing with you guys tonight. Yeah. And the topic is pros and cons of growing up in big families, because some of you may already know this, but Katie and I both grew up in big families. I was one of 10 children. I was the fourth born. There are six boys and four girls in our family. And I just had a phenomenal experience being in a big family. Both my parents loved each other. They loved all of us kids. We were well taken care of, well provided for, well loved. (laughs) We grew up with God's word in our home uh, on a regular basis. And uh, I'm just so grateful for that. It's just given me so much security and confidence and knowing that I'm loved by my earthly father, but what my earthly father did, the way he loved me was by telling me about my heavenly father that, that loves me even more. And so having that security of both of those loves is, uh, is just such a blessing to be able to, to grow up in. Yeah, and similarly, I grew up in an amazing, loving home. On paper, we might have looked a little unstable because I moved 18 times in the first 18 years of my life. But honestly, I felt so stable growing up as a child. If I could reimagine or go back and redesign my childhood... I honestly could not do a better job. And I think that is such a rare thing. And I just count it as a huge blessing. Obviously, your childhood affects your entire life. Mm. And so I'm just extremely grateful for my siblings and for my parents and the way they just crafted our family culture. Mm -hmm. That's right. And Katie and I both definitely acknowledge the imperfections in our parents uh, and the way that they raised us. And my parents certainly... Uh, acknowledge our parents, both of our parents certainly acknowledge (laughs) that as well. They were definitely imperfect people um, raising imperfect children, but they did it in a loving way with so much grace. Well, definitely. Yeah. I think that's actually a big part of being a parent is being able to admit you're wrong, being able to say you're sorry, you know, ask forgiveness from your kids. I think Elisha and I both grew up with very humble parents and as a result, we have so much respect for them and we had so much respect for them Hmm. because they acknowledged I mean, my dad came to me so many times growing up and said, hey, Katie, you know what? This is the first time I'm doing this. You know, I was the oldest child, so I went through everything first. And he goes, I don't know what I'm doing, but you just got to trust me that I'm doing the best that I can. Mm -hmm. And your mommy and I are just seeking the Lord and trying to do the best we can. And as a teenager, and at times when I really disagreed with him, 
it was so much easier to go like, you know what? He's a human. I got to give him a break here. You know, like whether or not I think he's right, which most often he was. It was just a lot easier to trust and have healthy relationship knowing that our parents embraced their imperfections. That's right. And so I'm excited to kind of hear what some of Katie's pros and cons are from growing up in a big family. I've written down a few of my own. But Katie, do you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first things that came to my the top of my head was that you are the majority when you're a part of a big family. And that might sound very simplistic, but it actually affects a lot of areas of life. And this could be good or bad because you're a massive percentage of the culture in a room. Um, But for me, I loved it because my family is very high energy. They're eager to participate. We were always going to have a good time and make it a good time for as many people as possible. And so regardless of what situation we went into we just knew if we were all there we were gonna you know bring the party ourselves and the party didn't have to be there for us I can totally attest to that because Katie and I have known each other for a long time we were able to witness each other's families uh from an early age and you guys had so much energy anywhere you came to and when you showed up everybody that was there knew that there was going to be a good time uh, and you guys really were just so, you had so much positive energy and it's, you guys are still that way to this day. Your family's still that way to this very day. And I certainly appreciate that. And I think you've really brought that into our marriage as well. Well, I think that from an outside, you know, somewhat outsider perspective now, since Elisha and I have gotten married, I do appreciate that even more because Elisha and I will go to something and my family will show up and we'll look at each other and be like, oh, this is awesome. Like instantly just the energy rises and we get excited. That's right. You're so, you're so right. Uh, That's awesome. One of my pros that I thought of was that when you're a part of a big family, you really become accustomed to being culturally different from an early age. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think was really good for me. Uh, because I, I wanted to be a follower of Christ. And that is something that goes along with being a follower of Christ, is being countercultural. It's following Christ instead of following the ways of this world. And so growing up and showing up to uh, the coffee shop or showing up to church or showing up to a restaurant, being one of 10 children, you everybody just wanted to know what the heck you're doing and what your parents were thinking and why you were the way that you were. Yes. And so as a young child, and since my parents were so positive about it, I think that made me see being culturally different as a good thing. And obviously you can be weird and be a culturally different in a menacing way and in a way that tears down culture. But I think my parents were so motivated to bring life and to bring joy into every environment so that even when we were different, it was different in a good way. And I really think that that's so synonymous with so many aspects of being a Christian, where you are culturally different, but it's a blessing. It's a good thing. You know, I think of getting to high school and playing high school basketball, and, and all the guys on the high school basketball team were sleeping around with different girls. And it was just normal for me to not do that because I knew that I was different. I knew that I was going to have different standards than these guys that were not saved. And I wasn't going to go out partying with them. And I wasn't going to have, uh, I was just going to have a different set of standards. And since I grew up in a culturally different home, it wasn't this weird, I guess when I got more and more out into the world and you're on your own and you have to be culturally different, it wasn't this weird wake up call for me. It was like, no, of course I'm culturally different. That's how I've lived my life. Yeah, I totally agree to it giving you a healthy sense of thick skin. Yes. I think. I think it did definitely for me. You do definitely just accept 
that you're different mm-hmm. and you see it as a good thing. Yes, absolutely. I can think too, just referring to that peer pressure element, the cool thing about for me being in a big family was that healthy peer pressure element Mm -hmm. and that healthy accountability. And I think of when my sister and I, we went and played volleyball, we joined the high school team together and we grew up homeschooled. So it was our first time in a public school environment and it was an awesome experience, but I was a lot more prone to being swayed by outside peer pressure. Mm. I cared a lot more about what people thought about me. I wanted to be liked and seen as cool. And my sister Kyla had just like this rock solid foundation Hmm. of what she believed and no one was going to deter her from that. And so that was it, you know, 14 years old. And that's a very formidable time in a child's life or, you know, young teens life. And so having my sister there when, you know, we didn't, watch a YouTube video on the bus that everyone else was, you know, laughing about because it was inappropriate or, you know, not choosing not to listen to certain songs that everyone was passing around. It was so healthy to have a sister there and just know that, Hey, you know, we're in this together. You know, I'm not the weird one here. We're choosing to make a difference. And it, you just didn't feel so alone in those environments. And I think it was really helpful, especially during those transitioning years of trying to determine what my own values were. Hmm. And I think it helped me not be exposed to a lot of things that I might've been curious about or exposed to. Right. Yeah. I think of that, like you said, when you're trying to figure out who you are as a Christian, obviously we want for all of our children to walk in truth and to have a saving relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. But that said, that timeline is different with every human being and the way that they come to knowledge of Jesus Christ and they come to faith is different. So in that season of trying to find what your faith is, when you've got support around you, that is such a blessing because it can really insulate you from making decisions that are that have practical ramifications that are that are hurting, that are damaging, and that are that are heartbreaking. And also too, just going back to that you are the majority thing, at one time there were three of us girls, three of us sisters on the same team. And it was so cool just to see how the whole team knew the Johnson girls didn't do this or the Johnson <laughs> girls did this. And honestly, they were so sweet about it. Yeah, there were ones that, you know, kind of were the wolves and trying to like attack you for doing things differently. But a lot of people really respected it. And Mm. especially I think in high school where everyone's kind of wishy-washy, you're getting pushed into a lot of things that you might not normally try. They really respected how we stood our grounds and we developed awesome friendships throughout that. Hmm. But I just think we were the majority at times when everyone wanted to watch a movie and they were like, Oh no, we aren't going to show that because the Johnson girls are here and you know, they don't, Uh they don't like that kind of stuff, you know? Uh And it was so cool just to see them protect us in an honestly really friendly way because of that, that culture and that majority. Right. You had established it early on. But I think, too, one more thing I want to mention. Yeah. Just along those lines of healthy peer pressure and accountability. I think I grew so much more as a person because my sisters, and I say sisters because I had eight sisters. Well, I'm one of eight girls. And um, my brother was in there, too. But especially the girls, they really influenced me. 
And we encourage each other to just go outside our comfort zones so much, you know, Mm. jumping off cliffs into water. If one girl did it, then the other girl had to do it, you know, or getting better at a musical instrument. If someone really started to excel at a musical instrument or develop their singing voice or learn these skills in different areas, then there was that healthy accountability and peer pressure, you know, going like, oh, I can do it. Yeah, Yeah, I got to step up my game. Yes, there was that. I don't know. It was really healthy competition in our family. And I do say the word healthy a lot because I think a lot of these things could go both ways. Um, And it depends on how the parents are monitoring facilitating and yeah but for us i honestly i never felt any animosity or any you know i'm worse than her we acknowledged that we had different strengths but there were certain things where it was really good for us to push each other wow that's so cool i think i had similar experience and just you see siblings they naturally will gravitate towards a certain discipline and so therefore they get really good at it and that might motivate you to get good at that discipline but at the same time you have to acknowledge at certain points that some of your siblings are just better at some things than, than you are. Yes, yeah, and that definitely. Kinda, that actually kind of reminds me right here of another point that I have. And that, that is when you are in a big family, um, at least from my experience is that you are put in the position to have to work with so many different personalities because we were homeschooled. We had to do chores with each other. We had to do school with each other. We had to work on music together. We are, because we are also a family band. And with, when there's 10 children and 10 personalities, there's a lot of diversity in there. There are some high strung people. There are some loud mouths. There's some very passive people. There's some very passive aggressive people. And that's very indicative of what the workplace is like just in the world or what your church environment's going to be like. There's just going to be diversity in giftings and in personalities. And from a young age, my parents just really encouraged us to work together and to work through differences. And, And I'm so grateful for that now because that, like I, like I already said, that is the reality of life. I have mm-hmm. strengths that I've also got weaknesses. And then my coworkers are going to have strengths and they're going to have weaknesses. And I think my parents did a really good job of praising us for our strengths and then acknowledging our weaknesses, not in a way to put us down, but by saying, hey, you know what? So you're not as good at this. You can probably get better at it over time. But so-and-so is really great at this right now. So they're going to take the, they're going to take the lead on mm-hmm. this one. Um, and so I think, and I can only speak for myself, but I assume, and I, and I really do believe that all of my siblings felt very, I guess, valued and they felt like their skill sets and their capabilities were valuable to the family and to the world, but they were also different and an individual apart from each one of the siblings. Yeah. And I think along with getting along with different personality types, there's also learning to get along with your own personality type. (laughs) So like in my family, there's about five of us type A personalities (laughs) and that could lead to some intense conflicts for sure. When other people want to be the leader, especially because I'm the oldest. So I am the leader. Okay. (laughs) But seriously, There were definitely sisters that I butted heads with, but I think it is so cool how over time working at those relationships and learning to have a gentler response and Mm. learning that not everybody wants to be pushed around. (laughs) (laughs) 
honestly, though, can really help in in life. Yeah. And I think it's so cool because some of those relationships I'm honestly still working on now. Hmm. And now that I've matured and I've grown and I see them for what they are, I want to go back and I want to continue working on them and making them better. But I think of other relationships, like with my sister Kelsey, who I've honestly grown so much closer to. And we have a great relationship now. And I just think that's such a blessing to know that you can develop those really healthy relationships with people who you might, I don't know, if it was anyone but a sister, I'd probably never talk to them again. You know, the way that we butted heads. Right. But I think it's so cool just learning to work through that and learning to overcome some of those struggles. Yes. That's been a really big blessing. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so I'm going to dive in here and share the first con. Oh, man. (laughs) Okay, what you've all been waiting for. Okay, so when I was thinking about it, I couldn't think of any cons in my childhood. Hmm. Like I mentioned before, my childhood was as great as I could have dreamed it up. Obviously, there were bad moments, (laughs) but overall, it was incredible. The con that came to mind and where I really had friction in my family was as an adult, and it was actually when Elisha and I were dating. Hmm. That's really the only time where I had a ton of friction with my family. And Elisha and I didn't do everything right, so we definitely (laughs) contributed. But sometimes it was hard to me to it's hard for me to handle on that stage so many different opinions. And I think everybody in my family is very opinionated and very vocal about their opinions. And I am too. You know, I'm definitely a part of that. So when it came to Elisha, a lot of my siblings were actually opposed to our relationship and they definitely let me know that. So when Elisha came into my family and was trying to convince them that you know, he was the one for me. He didn't just have to prove himself to my dad or to my mom. He had to prove himself to all of my siblings who all had, you know, their own little versions of animosity towards him. (laughs) And then not only did he have to win all of them over, but I have a very large extended family as well. And there are some opinionated relatives in that (laughs) bunch. I love them all to death. But that almost tore our relationship apart Mm -hmm. because we were getting phone calls from everybody and just trying to, there were so many outside opinions. And sometimes during that stage, I just wanted everybody to leave me alone. Now the upside of that is so many people cared about my well-being. Wow. Yeah. And that's kind of incredible. When you think of it, so many people cared so deeply who I was in a relationship with. They wanted me to be happy. They wanted me to have a full, vibrant life for Mm. the rest of my life. Marriage is obviously a huge deal. And so looking back now, it makes a lot of sense. And it was a great protection Hmm. to me. But in the moment, I didn't really want to hear what everybody thought. (laughs) (laughs) I can certainly relate to that. And like you said, it's nice being on this side of it because you can see the blessing in it. Absolutely. When you look back in retrospect, because I've, I've felt that way. You, you, well, you know, not all of my siblings were advocates of you and I dating when we That's started dating true. either. That's true. And I, and I went through some of that and I can definitely remember that feeling as an adult wanting to make a decision, but then getting phone calls or text messages from all of your siblings and your parents, you know, and maybe even aunts and uncles as well. Yes. And it seems just like such a nuisance in the moment, mm-hmm. but like you already stated, when you look back now, it's like, oh my goodness, that many people cared about me. They cared about my well-being. They loved me enough to share their opinion. 
Um, and it's actually pretty humbling. It's hugely humbling yeah. for sure. That's pretty cool. Um, I think I'm going to say another positive thing before I share my con. Okay. Why is don't that you all do right? that? Cool. Well, Katie talked, you know, I think a theme here is that you do share a lot with, with your, with your family, with your siblings. And, uh, and again, every family's different. And so I know that Katie and I are only speaking to our experiences. Absolutely. We could not speak to big families as a whole. Yeah. And I mean, I've got to say just here, there are so many big families that I would never want to be a part of (laughs) (laughs) or never want to grow up in. Yes. Really? Absolutely. I mean, it's just like, if we were a family of two speaking for all families of two, right. like there are so many dynamics that go into a family. Yeah. So this is only our personal experience. That's right. And I know that we want to learn from our experience and, and try to, you know, change things and mon- you know, modify certain things for, for what we're going to do with our own family mm-hmm. going forward. And, and mimic a lot yeah. of things. We do want to mimic a lot of things. Yes, exactly. Um, but something that is pretty special are the shared experiences that you have with your siblings and you're able to reference those for your entire life because the fact is is that i i my my best friend when i was 8 years old i i don't see him ever i have no idea actually what he's doing with his life my best friend that i had when i was 12 years old i don't see him ever i think i'm facebook friends with him but i never really see what's going on in his life i had friends through high school that were good friends that i'm entirely out of touch with now as a young adult And then I've made new friends here in my young adult life that I'm really enjoying, but who knows where we'll be 10 years from now. You know, they might get a Mm -hmm. job across the country or my, I might get a job across the country and the nature of life is so that you might just divide and you might not be in touch anymore. But with family, there's always going to be some sort of connection. I even think of this weekend, um, you know, my grandpa Corin passed away. My mom's dad passed away. And of course, the whole family's getting together for his memorial service. And there's going to be mourning. There's going to be rejoicing. But we are going to be together. And I look forward to. I look forward to seeing all of my siblings. I look forward to seeing my aunts and uncles. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly grateful for that because I know that that's not the case uh, with with every with everybody. I think most people almost dread seeing their family at, at these types of events. And so having all those shared experiences that you build on. And then 20 years down the road, you can all share in the memories of. And, and then 40 years down the road, you can share in the memories of those experiences. I, I think is really special. Mm-hmm. And, and I know I really enjoy that. Yeah, for sure. Like you mentioned, I don't have any of my same friends from growing up aside from your sister. <laughs> now she's my family. <laughs> um, but you just think of it. There's so many life decisions you're making between the ages of 8 and probably 25. You're making so many life decisions. And some of my best friends in high school or in middle school are living completely different lives than what I'm living right now. And Mm. there's just no relatability. Mm. And I think it's cool that in a family, when you grow up with similar values and belief systems, and you're going to have those core ties Mm. throughout your life. And like you mentioned, there are always those family events that are going to continue bringing you together regardless of yeah yeah the demographics that's right well i think too you develop a strong family culture as a big family at least my family really did and i think elisha's family really did too simply because you are big there's a lot of people (laughs) reinforcing whatever is in the family culture and i think this could be a really good thing 
it also could be a very, very bad thing because mm -hmm. you have that many people reinforcing negative behaviors or, you know, and, and at times no family is perfect. There have been times when my family has gone through being critical maybe hmm. and everybody's dogpiling and it just makes it that much bigger of an issue yep. that my parents have had to address but what i loved about our strong family culture is that there were so many people reinforcing these family mantras that now i've changed to saying to leon and it's funny because growing up i mean i still say johnson's are flexible when something goes wrong <laughs> i say johnson's are never bored <laughs> <laughs> Johnson's are participators. Yes. When you go to an event and you're like, you know what? This event stinks. Johnson's participate. And I still tell myself these things. Like when I go into a public bathroom and there's toilet paper on the floor, what comes to mind is my dad's voice saying, Johnson's leave things better than they found them. <laughs> and now I'm just translating that into Voberg with Leon. Yeah. And Votebergs are never bored. But I just think that's so cool because I have my little sister telling me these things yes. as I'm growing up. You know, there's just so much strength in numbers, honestly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just can't get past that. That is that is pretty cool, and I can definitely relate to that. Okay, I'm going to bring up my con here. The Do negative, it. The negative con. You know, something that I've really noticed over the last couple of years is that when I get together with other young people, um, whether they're newlyweds or people that are just out of college, I know that there's a lot of common feelings around the lack of community. And, you know, you hear it, it seems like if you go to church anywhere, the, they're, they're hammering home the importance of community or of being in fellowship. And I'm 110% behind that. I think community mm -hmm. and fellowship yes. are so important. But what I cannot relate to is ever feeling an absence of community of or a fellowship because of growing up in such a strong cultured family that always had my back were always asking me difficult questions were always there for me when I would have hard times or challenging moments in my life and this this has continued even since moving away from them and, for sure and being a few hours away where I've always always, always, always had somebody to call. You know, I start with my dad and I click on my dad and if he can't answer, then I go to my mom. If she can't answer, then my brother Joby. And I just go down the list of all my siblings if I need to talk to somebody about anything. And, mm -hmm. um, and I'm so grateful for that. And so we, maybe Katie and I will have a couple over for dinner and they're, they, they will share about their experience in feeling so alone or feeling isolated um, or feeling like they can't find anybody that relates to their convictions or their values. And I know that that's a common thing. And I really want to be able to encourage people in that area to find community and to find fellowship. But that's an area that I can't relate to people in. And I feel like that's been a little bit of a con is I don't have very much empathy. You know, I don't have very much empathy with people that have felt alone or if they felt a lack of community. And, and that's maybe hindered me in being able to minister to those people. I don't know. I still have a heart for those people and I want to be an advocate of community and a fellowship. Um, but I can't say that I've just felt this huge void in my life at any point. I've never felt lonely. I've mm -hmm. never felt alone and I've never really felt, um, yeah, I guess isolated and that's a huge blessing, but at the same time, it's made it difficult for me to relate with people that have experienced those common things. I'd say the way you and I grew up is pretty unrelatable. Yeah. And for me, that's been a big blessing in our marriage is finding someone who I can relate to on that level, hmm. because I think that's really rare. Hmm. And I think that's something that we're going to have to work out our whole lives 
is understanding where people are coming from when you haven't come from that same place. Yes. And we understand that there is just so much hurt and there is so much brokenness Hmm. and there is so much pain surrounding family because like we're mentioning, these are people that whether you choose to or not make them close to you, they just are and they are just a part of us. And so that can be so hindering and so hurtful. Hmm. And so I think that's going to be something that we have to work out our whole lives because we do have hearts for families and we want to connect with families, but sometimes relating on that level is something we just have can't do because we haven't been there. Yep. You're so right. And on that level, I'm just going to end with this for me, but a lot of people get me when no one else does because they have my siblings. So if I'm taken the wrong way or if I feel like I'm having a hard time communicating or if I have someone tell me something that I just feel really tears me down, if I go and talk to my family about it, they just get how they get me hmm. and they just get how I was raised. They get the context. They get where I was coming from. You know, they get my insecurities and my flaws and they know how I reacted wrong in this situation. Mm-hmm. Or I just think that's so cool because it's people that have seen you at your worst. It's people that have seen you at your best. And Sometimes it's just nice to talk to someone where you don't feel like you have to explain a backstory Hmm. and they just get you. Yes, that's so true. And I think of going forward as you and I have this great passion for family and we're excited about our own family. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the one thing we just definitely want to, I guess, you know, hammer home is the preeminence of Jesus Christ in all of it. And when it comes down to it, both of our parents always put their hope in Christ. Yes. And they made that so clear to both Katie and I. And I think that that's so important because there are no worldly systems that are in and of themselves superior or that mm-hmm. are perfect. Um, but there are some systems that I think enable you to make much of Christ in your everyday life. And there are some systems that make it more difficult to make much of Christ in your everyday life. And I just think that my parents, and I think your parents did the same thing, um, they, they found a way to really bring Christ into everyday life. And so, therefore, we were able to have a very um, loving and healthy experience growing up in big families. Because a big family that is not centered on Christ, just like a small family that's not centered on Christ, is just not centered on the foundation that's of love. And yes. therefore, it, there's going to be much dysfunction. And, and that many more people affected, yes, ultimately. Exactly. And, uh, and so I just am so, I guess, committed and motivated to have my heart right before the Lord. And I want to, you know, shower you in God's word. I want to wash you in God's word. <laughs> because I know that w- the, the line continues to our children. Leon and Lucy, and now our third child that's on the way, they are going to be really the products of how we view our faith. And again, they're going to take on their own faith, but so much of what we can, what we do in our everyday life is going to influence their lives. And, um, you know, I'll just say this in closing, as we're getting ready to go to grandpa Corwin's, uh, funeral, he made a decision as a young man. He was in a very dysfunctional family as a young boy Mm -hmm. where it it was just, it was just a, it was a very hard situation. Um, and at 12 years old, he ran away from his family's house and he just made a decision to not let that be his life. And I'm so grateful that he 
he gave his heart to the Lord and he changed the trajectory of his life. And in so doing changed the trajectory of my mother's life because she was born into his family and then changed the trajectory of my life. You know, I, I'm such a, a undeserving recipient of grandpa Corwin's decision to do the right thing at a young age. And I just think about how much power we have right now to do the right thing, to honor the Lord, to serve Jesus Christ, and in so doing, affect our children's lives. And I'm so glad you brought that up, Elisha, because it doesn't matter where you came from when you're trying to build a legacy and trying to build a family in the same way that it didn't matter that your grandpa Corwin came from a very broken, hard, disjointed life. He was able to create an incredible legacy. And in that same way, though, we have no, you know, free pass because we grew up in a healthy Christian home. That does not mean that our kids are going to have that same experience Right, right? because our parents were grounded in their faith. That doesn't mean that our kids are going to have parents that are grounded in their sure, faith and right. humble and seeking to please the Lord. Yes. That is all. It's up to us. Up to us. Yes. And up to us relying on the Lord. Yes. 100%. Ultimately, because we can't do it in and of ourselves. That's right. And there's nothing like you mentioned, any system, any checklist, any box that you can go through and say, this will guarantee me this outcome. Right. I think it's ultimately trusting in the Lord and being humble and willing to admit when you're wrong and pivot and that's right make changes so i just think that's so encouraging because i never want to get lukewarm or laid back i guess in thinking wow we came from an incredible legacy and just think that because of that our kids are going to grow up with a right right in a great home yep that's right yep I'm motivated to just continue on seeking the Lord and directing my kids towards him. All right, Katie. Well, this was fun. Yes. That was, I really enjoyed that walk down memory lane. You guys, it was really fun. And I'm pretty sure that you guys are going to be hearing more and more about Katie's upbringing, different stories from our youth as this podcast continues, uh, because obviously it's been a huge part of our life. But thank you so much for listening, you guys. Uh, I know that Katie and I are certainly enjoying doing this podcast. And I would love it if you guys left a review um, on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback. And then please be sure to you know follow us on YouTube. I don't know if you guys know we have a YouTube channel. It's called Now That We're a Family. And then Katie's on Instagram at Now That I'm a Mother. And I'm on Instagram at Now That I'm a Father. Got it all covered. Yeah. And we're pretty active on all those platforms. So it'd be awesome if you guys followed followed along there as well. Anyways, you guys have an awesome day. And we'll see you, or not see you, you will hear from us next Tuesday. Bye-bye.